All right. Welcome, folks. Welcome back to Larger, Freer, More Loving. As always, I'm Matt Levine. I'm Dwight Lewis. And it's uh, really, really good to be back with y'all. For those who are new to us or for those who don't remember, uh, this is a podcast that Dwight and I started uh, with the goal, the hope to aid ourselves and others in a journey toward living a larger, freer, and more loving life. And we want to do this through critically engaging pop culture uh, and, and the academic world around us and the political and social world around us, where we're focusing on things like justice, uh, care, the arts, and community. Um, and I really wanted to remind you all of that because we've been away for uh, quite some too, too time. Long. Too, too long. It's so nice to be back, y'all. It's so nice. Yeah, um, right. Sorry, sorry. Uh, It's been a wild year for both of us. It's been a wild year for both of us, um, which is part of the reason why we are having to do this welcome back because it has been a year almost. Right. uh, Maybe a little bit over a year since our first podcast. Um, But it is so nice to be back um, and to be for both of us to be settled somewhere. Yeah, Um, right. Part of the reason that we haven't been around um, is because we've both been going through a lot of transitions this year. Yeah, um, right. And we know everyone, like we're, like, we're not prioritizing our transitions over other people's. We know everyone is going through transitions and hard stuff. Um, and so don't be afraid to give yourself a break, you know, um, to begin with. Um, but just to give you a little in, I guess, inside scoop on what's been going yeah, on. Yeah, right. Where you been at? What's been happening <laughs> since we've uh, last done an episode? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been all over, you know, if you followed me at all, my journey in academia has been all over the place. Um, I've now been at my, I'm at my fifth university in the last five years. Um, and so, uh, what ended up happening for me is that I was at the university of central Florida. Um, and I am now at the university of Minnesota. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm transitioning from, you know, right now, you know, in January, it's high 70s, 80s. Um, and right now outside, it is uh, in the negative teens, negative 20s. And you uh, got snow all around. You got snow all around. This is insane. This is insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I went from, you know, very different environments. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am excited to be where I'm at. Um, You know, uh, of course, the transition to a new place um, is hard. Um, And it's hard when you've been transitioning five, four or five times in a row. Um, And full like cross country moves, not like uh, next door moves. You know, I went from Florida to Atlanta, back to Florida, to Pennsylvania, back to Florida, to here. It's like, I've just been all over. Um, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, transitioning is hard. It is very hard. Learning new processes, finding friends, um, dealing with your loneliness, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, and then, you know, you're still dealing with the weight of your job um, um, and the many hats that, you know, you wear, especially in academia, you know, the um, other, of course, there's a lot of jobs where you wear a lot of hats, 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it goes all the way from, you know, I'm doing a podcast today. I was working on a paper earlier yesterday. I get a, I'm getting a text and a call from the student at 6 p.m. trying to help them with their uh, applications for grad school. So, you know, it's all over the place. Um, all the while you're trying to deal with all of these transitions and the reality of, of, of moving and being a human being and having these feelings and having these needs for other people that I so appreciate you mentioning because like, shit, academics don't like to talk about that. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, part of my transition was really um, attempting um to live out our mission to some extent, larger, freer, more loving. There was some things about where I was at before that I didn't feel that I could fully step into um, living larger, freer, more loving. Um, and you, uh, Minnesota, has felt so far like a place where I can, and I hope that it continues to feel that way for sure. Um, now, academia, you know, I got a whole nother, a whole nother problem there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this place is, you know, really about love, care, or progress. Like, I just don't know if it really is anymore. Um, before we got on this, me and Matt were actually just talking about, you know, um, um, what what it looks like to work outside academia, um, and what are what are the options. And part of dealing with these transitions is also talking about Matt's transition in relationship to academia. So, Matt. Tell us what's been going on, especially the last four months, but over the last year. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And 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 first, actually, I do just want to say, like, congratulations, Dwight. <laughs> like, that's that's crazy. Like, that's awesome that you got that you got this job. Like, you got grad students. Like, you're this this is crazy shit. And like, and and you're doing this in a way where you're talking about stepping into and living into integrity at the same time. Like, like the fact that you have been able to, to get where you have while living in integrity in the ways that you have is, is inspiring as hell to me. Um, okay. And it's, it's um, yeah, you bring up that and it's hard um, because you get tired and integrity is something that like you not only have to like um you have to work on it you know <laughs> you have to it's like it does it uh it does it uh and being genuine doesn't it's like it can come natural but even when it comes natural it's still something that you have to like put some effort into um and then when you're doing all of these other things and you're transitioning um i f i feel like i've struggled um yeah being true to myself over the past year mm -hmm. um especially last six months because of this exact um yeah 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 and which is why you know i haven't been able to be like be as like on top of stuff even in relationship to the podcast you know um yeah 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 um i uh i appreciate you <laughs> uh because i need to i need you know um yeah what you just said made me feel good um like not like feel good inside but like a good person mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hard to feel that way um especially when um yeah um it's like at times you need to be selfish and i probably should be like more selfish 
in particular ways and less selfish in other ways right now. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just hard. And so I appreciate it. I really do. I really do. Good, yeah. good. And I mean, so it's interesting too, like, so where, where have I been uh, the last year? Uh, well, so since we did our last episode, uh, I've been on the ground and in the streets a lot. Uh, that's been really giving me life. Um, uh, but but you're also- doing, You were at the beginning, like when we first stopped, you were doing like a protest every day, right? So I would say I'm probably at a protest uh, two to three times a week right now. Um, and really part of that for me is, is again, you know, this idea of larger, freer, more loving, right? This is a, this is a reference to, to Baldwin uh, uh, and an homage to Baldwin. And for me, actually, a, a big part of what connects with me about protesting goes back to Baldwin, too, with this idea that... Um, you know, not everything that's faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced, yeah. right? And, and, and for me, for me, um, you know, protest, protest is this really important communicative action where, um, you know, part of it for me is, is, is wanting to be out in the streets, reminding black and indigenous and, 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 and people of color folks that, that you know, <laughs> I haven't forgotten about the fact that we live in a white supremacist system that is that is intent on destroying these communities, but also it's about a communicative act for me to to other white folks that like, hey, you can be sitting there trying to go about your daily life and trying to ignore all of the white supremacist and colonial fuckery around you, but I want you to remember that that's happening. And and that that for me uh, is a big part of is a big part of what protest is about for me is that is that never never wanting myself or other white folks to to stop having to face this system that we need to change so so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I think that this even what you just said pulls all the way back to last season when we were talking about what it meant to be um, a committed white ally. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And some of that, a lot of that, uh, if we want to talk about this in relationship and here we go way too academic. Um, but if we want to talk about this relationship to like negative and positive liberty, right? Negative liberty is something that you're going to get through laws. Positive liberty is something where you believe that you can do the thing. Right. Um, and uh, we know this <laughs> as a fact that like the laws haven't um, haven't changed things. Right. And so uh, what we need is people to believe that they can do a thing. And if the laws don't do it, then we have to do something in the society. So right? much the worse so, for the laws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like what you're doing in protest is like giving people, attempting to give people positive liberty, right? Mm. Um, what you're attempting to do is like push back, make a social pushback that's saying things that are not fighting against white supremacy are not valued in this space, right? Right. Um, and if we can like get a whole bunch of people to do that in a community, then it's going to push it out. And we may be feeling it large, largely from like overarching community, but we can do that in small communities, right? And then if we get those small communities to then get bigger and larger and larger and larger, then we can have this like social move pushback on white supremacy um, in a way that you're not like 
it doesn't matter how much we change the laws if the society doesn't change, then we're getting nowhere. And so I like really appreciate what you're doing. And I think it like ties in to like our past, past season, but also it like leads people hopefully on to something new, um, which is that like, yeah, policy is great and we should definitely be fighting policy 100%. Um, but there's things that you can do even if you're not fighting policy and voting. Um, everyone just wants to put so much, uh, so much weight on voting. And it's like, well, there's a lot of things that you can do outside of voting. And, right. it's, and, and, it's, and it may not even be like working at a food pantry. It may not even be like doing these things for those people that are less fortunate, right? It may be actually standing up in your, and I'm, I wanna cuss, but I'm not going to, in your freaking community, right? right? Um, it may be actually standing up in your community and not allowing things to happen in your community. And that's literally what you are doing. You're standing up in your community three, two to three times a week and being like, this isn't allowed in my community. I'm sorry, that's BA, you know? Um, yeah. No, I appreciate that. And it's interesting too, right? Like, so, so as you were talking there, one of the things I was thinking about is like, there's a very bizarrely uh, uh, kind of promising or optimistic thing, way we can take the fact that white supremacy is so freaking pervasive. Like what I was thinking about there is like, white supremacy is so pervasive. There's a billion and one different ways to fight it, right? Like, like, Right. And, and, and what I was thinking about here too, right? Like there are, there are personal manifestations, personal and interpersonal manifestations of racism. There are cultural manifestations of racism. There are institutional manifestations of racism. Right. And, and, and like, we need people working on all of those things. Yeah. Right. And, and, and because like, like, as you were talking about there, like white supremacy is such um is such a weirdly shape-shifty kind of thing that like, even if you've got the personal and the cultural, but you don't have the institutional work you're doing against it, white supremacy will find a way, right? Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're just doing the cultural and the institutional, white supremacy will find a personal outlet, right? So we need people working on these personal manifestations of racism. We need people working on these cultural manifestations of racism. We need people working on these institutional manifestations of racism. We need people working on these ideological manifestations yep. of racism. 100%, 100%, 100%. Yo, couldn't have said it better, couldn't have said it better. All right, so. Well, so, so I, this is. I, this I'm, is joking. I'm stealing all your time, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna be like, all right, so you've been protesting. What else have you been doing? Yeah, yeah. So this is a perfect time, actually. So, so this, this, uh, these thoughts I've been bringing in here around uh, personal, cultural, and institutional manifestations of racism uh, is very, very much an homage to uh, what I've been doing professionally recently. Uh, so, so what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm out of academia. Uh, <laughs> yeah so uh for the first time since spring 2004 uh wow. i had i had no connection to academia in fall 2021 uh and that's because for me um for me i i for me in the particular things i was trying to do in the particular context i found myself i couldn't live in integrity in academia anymore um yeah. And so, uh, rub now. <laughs> right? yeah, so I, I got, uh, I got a job at this, uh, 
absolutely freaking awesome, awesome organization in uh, what is now known as Portland, Oregon, uh, the Center for Equity and Inclusion. Uh, and this is uh, an organization that that uh, works on uh, systematic approaches to race equity. Uh, and so what I'm doing there is I'm a, I'm a race equity facilitator and consultant. Yo, um, bad. <laughs> hey. <laughs> So, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Like this is, this is an organization that, that, you know, the, the theory of change behind the organization is uh, uh, that we can't do, we can't do um, uh, race equity work in sort of off the cuff, one time, check the box kind of ways. We've got to be coming at this with the goal at the outset being transformational change of the places we work and live. And, and right behind that, uh, uh, at the Center for Equity and Inclusion, uh, we really focus on the fact that what transformational change means is change on that uh, uh, personal front, change on that cultural front, and change on that institutional front, all in a way that moves our identity toward uh, being a, a, a race equity uh, uh, at the front of our value system. Um, and I so, mean, so, so sorry, I do have to jump in run real quick. So one of the things I love about this organization, uh, in addition to this, this awesome work they do, uh, it is a BIPOC owned, led and centered organization. Uh, and I am one of the few white folks who works there. And so as a white person working at this uh, BIPOC led, owned and centered organization, <laughs> I want to make a disclaimer that uh, all of the views I put forth uh, in this podcast are mine and mine alone. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right, I want to be sensitive to like, like there's Right. I'm 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 a white guy <laughs> working at this BIPOC led and owned organization. Uh, and there's I, I, I don't want to saddle. I don't want to uh, uh, stick stick uh, the organization with any of uh, my ludicrous ways of looking at the world. Uh, so sorry. I needed to get that disclaimer out there. <laughs> I will also put the disclaimer out there, too. These are my thoughts. They have nothing to do with anything I'm related to. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. I uh, also burn me down, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. You like both ways. You know, it's going to happen either way. Uh, the institution is going to burn me down at some point. Y'all are going to burn me down at some point. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so happy. Um, <laughs> uh, but my question was, why should race equity be forefronted? Oh. <laughs> I know. We didn't, we didn't, this is a, I didn't prep this question, just so y'all know. <laughs> like, why should this be forefronted? Race here, here. Oh, okay. So you're going to get a long answer on this one, Dory. Yeah, I, sure. I, I, hope, I hope that's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, this honestly goes back to, for me, uh, one of the foundational lies in the West. One of the foundational lies in the West is the idea of the social contract, right? The idea that, that what we are doing in a society is... Um, uh, or, or, or what has been done in our societies is uh, uh, groups of free people have come together to agree to a right <laughs> to agree to a set of rules that will limit those freedoms because we think we can do more together as a group than we can each one of us individually. 
yeah. right? So, so I, I actually think that sounds great. Like, yeah. but that's just as a matter of historical fact, not even close to what's happened, right? I'm, I'm a big, big. I, I, I have been, will be, always will be a big follower of Charles Mills and this idea of the racial contract. That really, what we've got uh, going on here is not everybody coming together to uh, agree to a set of rules for everybody for the betterment of everybody really what we've had is a racial contract where white a certain group of white folks have come together to agree to one set of rules for white folks uh, a different set of rules for bipoc folks to yep. the benefit of white folks and to the detriment of bipoc folks yep so yep. so what this means is that like in the west the foundational reason for having a society for having for having social groups at all is to make things better for everybody Yep. But as a matter of fact, what those societies have done is aim to make things better for white folks and worse for BIPOC folks. Yep. So, so for me, like it's, I actually, if I, <laughs> I happen to love to work on race and anti-racism and, and fight white supremacy, but frankly, even if I didn't, I think I, and every, certainly every other white person, but I think people generally have an obligation to work on race equity, because that is that is the in some ways the foundational flaw in our society, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. so yeah for me it's like if if <laughs> if you are a human being trying to live in community with other human beings, then frankly you got to be concerned with race equity like <laughs> yeah 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 the human in relationship to at least is what I'm taking from you the human in relationship to the contract right because the contract is based on humans having these agreements. The human is already a question. What is human, um, right? Um, what, and then not only what is human, but then what like, and we could even say, oh, well we characterize or we, we like typify these people as human. But even in that, who then even as a human gets to establish the type of political and moral rules that then gets like that then end up creating, right, the contract, right? Um, and are these people that we consider human, do they have um, um, a voice? Like, do we respect the epistemology that they bring to the table, right? Um, and so these are the things where it's like, I, like what I see that you're doing is like, what you're trying to do is say, hey, these things have not been valued and you're bringing them to the forefront. Um, and this is just, like one phase of that being done. This has this like um, the organization that Matt is working with is doing this in one way, but there's plenty of organizations that are doing this in, in a multitude of different ways. And we need it done, not just racially, not just sexually, not just in relationship to those people that are immigrants, right? Not just in relationship to people that are disabled. Um, we need it in relationships to trans folks all over the place. Um, but this is one aspect where like, some like a position that is oftentimes not heard and not felt and not seen, um, except in ways that are then already predefined by whiteness, actually gets to be placed um, at the forefront, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think like, yeah, um, the organization is fire. I've actually, look, yeah, I've talked to people at the organization. They are fire also. Like, uh, I am thoroughly uh, jealous uh, <laughs> of Matt's position. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like there's a freedom in uh, um, being able to do your job 
um, and also being able to um, do your job and do something that means something, but also walk away from it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I hate to say this, but academia, right? There's no walking away. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, and you know this from spending, you know, almost 20 years in it, right? Uh, it just swallows you whole um, and then spits you out, but like as a skeleton, <laughs> mm. right? Uh, like takes all the takes all the all the nutrients. So extractive, but, so yeah. extractive. Yeah, and it's like um, build me up, right? Uh, build me up. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and and it's 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 extractive generally, but like to racialize this, like it's especially extractive if you're a black man in in academia if you're a black man in philosophy like the yeah it's just it's the extent to which reciprocity and mutuality is is absent from is absent from academia but especially absent from uh, the way white academics treat uh, 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 BIPOC academics, but especially black academics is, is horrific. What we need is your organization. (laughs) 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 To be serious, you know, these organizations, like to be serious and that's a plug and and I'm down with the plug um, because I think there's a lot of spaces that could use, um, yeah, yeah, the type of help that your organization gives. Um, and we're talking about plans. We're talking about people that like dive into the actual organization and beat it up and develop actual plans for getting you further along. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's different than someone saying, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. Right. Um, and I really, I really respect, um, I really respect what they're doing. I really respect what they're doing. And I'm like, yeah, like I said, I'm jealous and I'm proud of you. You know, I, I'm proud of your ass. Uh, oh, I'm 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 lucky as hell to be in the position that I am right now. I I I have not felt more lucky or more fortunate uh, than I have in the last four months in quite some time, which is just, which is a, which is a a weird experience to have at the same time that like trauma is trauma is the name of the game right now and again to racialize like trauma is not is not being doled out in anything but completely uh uh, uh disparate ways right now racially um so i mean there's there's i think a lot a lot for me to um uh realize in that in terms of uh my obligation for for taking taking this opportunity seriously and trying to trying to fuck up white supremacy in the process like i i i don't <laughs> yeah that that's one of the things i'm i'm trying to remind myself a lot right now like uh, this is this is not a time to be sitting back, sitting on my laurels, getting comfortable with the fact that I'm in this uh, awesome position. Like this is a time for me to use that awesome position to to try to push myself forward and push others forward uh, uh, in ways that that maybe maybe I wasn't going far enough in the past. Let's say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about uh, pushing forward, but we also like we're talking about the pain of you know the last year, what's been going on, 
Um, we were gone for the last year. What what are some things or one, one, two things that you wish that we would have done a podcast on um, in the last year? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, you know, part of part of some of the things you were saying earlier um, made me think of made me think of uh, uh, something that I really that's really been that's been messing with me and and like I I would have liked to have us spend some time talking about it. And it's actually, uh, I was at a protest uh, just before we uh, recorded this podcast <laughs> and I got, I got asked to give a land, labor and people acknowledgement uh, at, this, at this protest. And one of the things I talked about during that was uh, the fact that, uh, you know, in 2020, there were something like tens of millions of Americans who got out in the street in some form of Black Lives Matter protest uh, uh, to to express, you know, this collective horror at, uh, uh, at, at Black men, women, trans men, trans women, non-binary folks uh, being murdered with impunity. And that number is nowhere near that now. And I want to say, what in the world do y'all think has changed? Yeah, 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 like yeah. If, if you thought it was important to go out in the streets in May and June of 2020, what has changed that makes it so you are not out there now? That's, that's one of the things. So, so what I wanna talk about is, um, or one of the things I would have wanted to talk about is uh, the lack of white courage, commitment, and follow through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and so I want to add because I, and the ways that like the pandemic has been like the easiest get out of jail free card in relationship to it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you know we're not the, you know the pandemic isn't beating us up, uh, but but I'm sorry I don't get to take a break. From being, from being black, you know, black women don't get to take a break from being black women in the world, you know. It's like this is like there's no break. It's like I like go to my neighborhood bar and I like end up hearing just wild things, like oh, like why, like you black people just should be more worried about the economy than you are about like having um, uh, than racial than race race rights, and it's like huh intriguing what a bizarre thing right like i agree how is like, how is that how is that their decision to make for you for one like i mean we can we can talk about the fact that the the content of that suggestion is ludicrous on so many different fronts but just like what in the world makes us white people think that we that we get to be the judge of that that we get to be this i mean 500 years of white supremacy uh, but right like no that's fucked up it is it is and it's crazy that it's just like i'm just trying to have a a gosh darn beer right. like can i just like go to the bar and have a drink like lord um and it, it just is like there's no there, and that's even an experience where i, I like i'm like ha like someone kind of forces me into it. We're not even talking about the experiences where it's like, I am just like doing this mm -hmm. in white spaces, trying to like be safe, right? 
um, and let people know that like this black man is safe, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's like we're not even talking about those things, uh, but but um, yeah yeah yeah. I like I one hundred percent hear you and agree with you on this on this that uh, yeah 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 yeah. There's got to be follow through, um, right? And a lot of it has been um, oh, I've been. I had my I had my like binoculars out and I was looking for it, couldn't find it. Pulled out my magnifying glass, still couldn't find it. So I just don't know where it's at anymore. Right. You know, I'm looking. No, about it. and I mean, so so right. So there's there's the 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 personal uh, aspect of this again, like where are these individuals? But then there's the the institutional side of this too, right? So so in the wake of in the wake of uh, uh, the George Floyd's uh, cold blooded murder in the streets of Minneapolis and and uh, uh, the public response to this, there were all of these organizations and businesses and all this stuff making these making these uh, 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 big commitments. We're going to do this, yeah. that, and the other thing. And uh, one of my one of my colleagues brought to my attention an article recently that said something like uh one half of one penny of every dollar that was committed has actually been followed through on right like so uh, yeah right so so there's this there's this personal lack of follow through and commitment and courage, but there's this institutional uh, lack of commitment and courage and follow through too. That that um, yeah, th those are those are some of the things that were that were uh, definitely messing with me over the last year. That that yeah, it would have been fun to do uh, yo, uh, an episode on. Yo. Uh... So this also, you know, goes into mind too, um, because I would have loved to do one in relationship to the trials that have been going on um, with Breonna Taylor's killer, with killer, with Kyle Rittenhouse, um, right? All of these different trials that have been going on this late, at least last year in 2021, mm -hmm. I would have loved to, to have done podcasts on that. Um, but also you just made me think of, uh, at the same time that like all these, you know, the riots were going on, um, I was involved with um, an organization um, that was putting together a Black Lives Matter statement. Um, and I remember okay. a meeting with the, this organization and someone complaining and even crying, non-POC. Um, uh, about not being allowed to be a part of the making of the document. Uh, and I was just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, I like, I'm like, I like, I'm like, I feel so bad that you don't get to be involved in like creating a statement that helps black people so much. Like, I'm just, I feel so bad. I want to hurt for you. I really do. Mm. Uh, and this is where, you know, I go too far and people, people hate me, um, but, uh, it is, what but it is. no, I think that's important to wait. Right. So, so this is a thing, you know, I am so, I'm forever frustrated with, uh, the ways, the ways in which, um, uh, uh, feelings of BIPOC folks are so, are so, are so scary to white folks and white folks are so quick to throw their feelings out into these spaces so so i mean if if you if if you're up for it 
how how does that feel to be in that situation? Oh, uh, <laughs> yo, I'm not gonna lie. I like at the onset, I just started like I had to turn my camera off and I just started laughing. Hmm. Be- and it's like maybe I shouldn't be laughing at like these tears of this person because they quote unquote care. But I'm like, if this is like the thing that brings you tears, like, do you are you at te- were you at tears? Um, when we heard about uh, the verdicts from Breonna Taylor, were you at were you at tears when he heard about the verdict of these of these three protesters that were killed by Kyle? Were you like, ooh, like, like how like like it's like, but you what? Yeah, it's like that. This brought tears, um, like peed me off because this the like the like to be serious, I wasn't even involved in the making of the statement. Right. And I came in as like a BIPOC person. I'm sitting there and I and I'm like, fine. You know, right. <laughs> like, I'm like, this statement's fine. Right. Like, well, that doesn't need to change. It's like fine. You know, it's like, oh, like, what does this really mean for me? Um, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you're doing it, but it's like as we already know, policy, blah, 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 like words, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so it's just like um yeah at that moment i think you're in you know i think people laugh oftentimes when they're in some like a lot of like they're in a a lot of pain and i was just laughing because i'm Mm -hmm. like i don't even get to feel this way about statements that are made about me right and people like me (laughs) like i don't get to say why was i a part of that Right. It's like we're made all the time. Um, and so I was just like, I like you have more freedom to be mad about this statement than I do. Um, and I was just like, I can't even like I didn't even put an emotion into it because I mm-hmm. couldn't waste my emotional energy on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the way that a lot of BIPOC people are existing in the world is that they like just can't even. Um, they don't even mm-hmm. have, it's like, there's just like an emptiness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's also how, you know, uh, the fight gets won oftentimes too, because people are just so exhausted, so tired, so beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, you're just like, well, this is fine, like whatever, whatever. And it's not fine. And it's not whatever, whatever. Um, but I actually remember even we would, uh, we would um, Zoom because we still zoom even when we don't do this and i remember saying to you for months well whatever whatever you remember you remember <laughs> i was like oh, whatever whatever like i've just been and i feel like i've been yeah like i will say being in, being here um yeah it's been a little bit uh, like i feel like i've been able to say less whatever whatever which is mm. nice yeah um, for sure um yeah 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 but so I want to, I'm not going to, I'm going to move me on because I, uh, yeah, um, I need to, <laughs> but I think one of the things I would have loved to do, a, to have done a podcast on is, uh, the insurrection, the riots, uh, July, uh, January 6th, you know, it is, you know, yesterday was the anniversary. Um, I would have loved to, to have done that. Maybe sometime we'll come back and do a 15 minute or on it. Um, because I feel like it would be um, something 
worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's a thing that clearly, uh, as much as as much as folks want to pretend this is the case, uh, the things that led to it and the things that uh, uh, result from it are a big part of our lives and are going to be a big part of our lives for quite some time, right? On it, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then, secondly, which we actually are going to try to do this semester is give some type of uh, student advice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe we're already giving bad advice though, because both of us have already, you left. And I'm, I'm not saying that I'm leaving um, or that I'm going to leave. Uh, uh, but who knows what the future is? <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> But who knows what the future is going to hold for me? Uh, yeah, I've got to be convinced to stay here. Um, uh, that's the real thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, like this is where you, this is going to sound arrogant and bad. yeah. I've got to love myself to like uh, love myself enough to know my worth, um, and not only my worth, but like what's going to continuously like feed me. Um, and not take more than I'm like, like than I'm getting fed. Um, and, um, you know, I think academia struggles with that. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's very antiquated um, uh, in the ways that it's trying to do its research. Um, and that takes also from the, from the youth um, because we're trying to do new, interesting things. We're trying to move us past these journals and these books and really take us to something that is going to speak to people, um, and they can't evaluate that, um, um, and so they can't give you tenure based on those things um, at most places. Uh, and so, how then? How then uh, do I stay myself um, and still, um, you know, do the things that I like? How do I stay myself and also still keep keep my job? You know, right, um, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the same myself isn't just, I'm tucked. The same myself isn't just to stay oneself. The same myself is to um, move academia and, you know, history and society culture forward. Um, and it's like, I'm not staying myself to hold on to the past. I'm actually right. staying myself to pull us to the future. Um, and uh, that's, it's a hard place to be at. Right. I mean, it's interesting, right? So like our, our, the name of our podcast, Larger, Freer, More Loving, right? Like this is, this, I'm, this is a thing that, that uh, uh, highlighting it, even though, even though it comes from James Baldwin originally, like highlighting it was something you did for me, right? And this was something you did for me because what what I have seen of you is somebody who wants to be larger for your more loving all the time, right? So so as you're talking about this, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you talking about like staying you. And for me, that doesn't sound to me like a fixed thing at all, right? Because what I know of you is you are this person who lives every single ounce of his being into larger for your more loving. So staying you is being this person who wants to push forward and make things better for everybody, right? Like, oh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the ways you see me. I really <laughs> do. Uh, Cause it is, uh, yeah, it is hard. 
it is hard to uh yeah this is yeah it's hard to be seen by whiteness when you're black it's hard to be seen by whiteness and i appreciate the way you see me a lot of a lot of whiteness uh seemingly seems to understand the thing um but there's a different there's a very yeah 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 there's a different thing in feeling it um mm. Um, and I and I know that you feel it, <laughs> uh, and I uh, I appreciate it more than you know, more than you know, um, and more than y'all y'all few people that's listening now. That's listening. <laughs> um, more than y'all know too. Uh, you know, Baldwin even says it right. Baldwin says there's a few good whites, um, and uh, you know, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but um, uh, I take that statement to be factual. Um, it, um, and it's shown itself to be factual in my life. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I appreciate you for being one of those for me. I do. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, now we're going to be, we're going to get all emotional and stuff on here. And, you know, I have nothing wrong with the emotional. Uh, <laughs> no, and not and, and, right. This is one of the things you got to expect from me this season, Dwight. This is this is one of the things that CEI has been so so awesome with me on is realizing, helping me to realize the ways in which, um, in being in academia, I'm so focused on the mind, the theoretical, the abstract, uh, uh, and and not paid sufficient attention to uh, a body and heart. Right. And and especially uh, uh, especially when we're talking about manifestations of racism and manifestations of attempts to fight back against racism, uh, body and heart got to be got to be absolutely centered to that. And that is that is that is a learning edge that I am very, very much working on here. Uh, so so sorry, man, you're going to have to hear me talk about feelings all the time. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I appreciate it. You know, I was I'm not even going to lie. Um, I have like been so emotional since since like moving up here. I don't know if it's the loneliness or what it is. I literally was like a week ago watching Selling Tampa, Selling Tampa. Um, and I'm on episode two um uh this woman is getting divorced and i'm laying in bed watching this and just crying like i'm like i like my whole heart is like in there i'm like you could tell how much she like is broken by it and then it broke me to see her broken like that and i was like uh and like two days later i was crying about something else i've just been crying lately it's like like I don't, I like, it's a, it is a good thing. Um, but also I think um, it's indicative of something else. And I, that's what I need to like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if, if the crying is coming out of the blue in uh, like ways that are wild, um, uh, it's because something you're hurting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to, I gotta do some, some deep diving in myself um yeah 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 um yeah yeah so i'm down with the emotions um i am but um so yeah I, I interrupted you with that though my bad where were where were you headed no 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 i i now i don't even know where i was going which is great um it's the best type of road to be on right? <laughs> uh, you're just walking in and you'll get where you're going um so um uh, we've given you a little welcome back we've talked a little bit about our transitions uh, over the past year, some of the things that we wish that we would have um, 
been able to do podcasts on this year. Um, I like I kind of want to so we are going to get to a quick recap of season one and then give you a little quick preview of what's going to happen in in season two but I just have one more question for Matt um and it isn't even a focused question it's uh and it's like a again another like open-ended naked question um like what is something that you want to highlight not on the podcast like just in general that you've like learned or that not even that you've learned that like has beat you up, whatever it might be over the past year, like not the transition, not the new job. What is outside of that scope that has been something that has um, made an impact on you this, just this year um, that we haven't been doing the podcast. Um, I know these are all, so just so you know, my questions for all y'all, like are mostly unscripted. Um, we, ha- we have had, a, we had a script but I'm bad at scripts. So just is the case. No, 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 no. You're not bad at scripts. You're awesome at being real. That's what the deal is. <laughs> I just, I want to, I want to hold to the script, but I also, you know, want to get to the, the, the meat, the, the, like, yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. So. Um, so for me, I mean, and this is, uh, this is going to touch on the podcast a little bit, um, but but not in not in I don't know professional or theoretical ways and personal ways. Um, uh, loss and grief have been a really really big part of my year, um, uh, and not just not just uh, loss and grief in my life, but loss and grief in uh, friends and comrades' lives. Um, but but for me, um, so to to connect to uh, the podcast, one of our one of our favorite episodes we've done on this was uh, an episode we did on the question of inclusion in philosophy uh, with with Linda Martine Alcoff and Shelley Tremaine, uh, but also the late uh, Professor Charles Mills. Yeah. Uh, and and. Charles passing in September of this last year um, definitely fucked with me a lot. Um, he, it's interesting, you know. Uh, uh, I said, I said in the the piece that the piece that I I, I wrote after he passed in uh, uh, in honor of him. You know, I said something about the fact I was only ever in space with him uh, and in the same room as him a handful of times. Um, but he has been and will continue to be uh, one of the single biggest influences on my life, and one of the one of the one of the things that, frankly, you know, to to get a little naked, um, I had a I had a friend ask me recently, uh, "Do you love yourself, Matt?" Um, and this was an interesting question for me because, uh, as a younger person, I was somebody who hated myself a lot. I had a lot of, I had a lot of issues with self-hatred. Um, and, uh, one of the things that has helped me move to a space of not hating myself so much, uh, and was Charles's work and the way it inspired me to start living into um, living into my values in ways I hadn't been before. Um, 
so in a very real sense, like Charles is personally responsible for helping me to not hate myself. Um, like that's, that's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you repay a person for such a thing. I don't know how you probably properly honor a person for such a thing. Um, and, and that was, um, that was following up. That was, uh, four months after, um, uh, another friend of mine, uh, Dr. Lonell Woods uh, passed away in May of 2021. Um, and I know, I'm sorry. We're sorry. Yeah, no. We're right, yeah. We're sorry. We are. Um, and yeah, uh, I I looked up to I looked up to Lonell in in lots and lots of ways that again um, his passing just just messed me up a lot. Um, and, and again, in ways that, that made me, um, made me go into trying to understand, um, understand some of my own personal development, uh, uh, and, and what, what Lionel meant to me and, and what was happening in my life before, during, and after my time with Lonell that, that made me connect with Lonell in those ways. Um, and also I couldn't, I couldn't help but, but racialize this too, as, as Charles and Lonell um, are both, were both uh, 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 beautiful, talented black men um, who, who, yeah, this this just um, made me made me think uh, uh, some too about the racialized nature of of grief and loss too, um, and, and and you know, I as a white person, I am not dealing with the cumulative impact of of generations of of grief and loss following, uh, you know, uh, underlying that. Um, and also to be completely honest, this is, this is one of the things that has, that has pushed me in this direction of, uh, where, where has everybody gone? These people that were protesting in the streets, like it's, it's been very, very, it's been very, very real in my head. Like black men are still dying. Like why, why, why is that not horrific to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and so yeah, so lo loss and grief are 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 some things that have been that have been been on my heart. Yeah, yeah, man, this is uh, this is tough. I also, you know, had had known Charles. I'd only met him once um, outside of our podcast, um, but he was so gracious in the podcast. Talked to us before, talked to us after. Um, spent a lot of time. Um, and I know we were talking about him when he first passed and we were talking about like, there's no other like academic that we know that like could um, do what Charles does um, and how uh, oftentimes people can fit in and like take the role um, and you, yeah, yeah. Like there's an emptiness now um in the place of where Charles was and it's not just for me um but it's also for like 
academia in general, philosophy in general. Uh, and I am like, not just, I'm not just sad for myself, but I'm sad for the discipline and I'm sad for kids that are coming up after, you know, yeah. after me that never even got a chance. Um, yeah, to meet, to, yeah, to meet someone that like, the thing I respect about Charles the most is that Charles is so good at being poignant and critical in such a way where it's also digestible. Um, um, and at the end, like that all that takes place and you live a life of integrity. You know, some people are belligerent and it's like, they just like their persona like already loses so many people. I'm, sometimes I may be like that. Um, and I really appreciate how Charles moved in the world. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really, yeah, I respect it. Um, and then secondly, you talked about the, uh, the racialized nature of loss and grief. And I'm so glad you brought this up because, right, um, we've not all only got to talk about loss and grief in relationship to people actually dying, but people being pulled out of your community too. So when we want to talk about, you know, Black men, um, you know, one third of Black men are in, you know, prison or jail, but that also leaves, you know, all these Black women um, that are related to them in whatever type of way, right? Um, with like loss and grief and the ways that, uh, and I just, yeah, it just made me think about the ways that like uh, my own mother and my own sister like have to carry loss and grief uh, in a way that I don't have to carry it. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, like that is, uh, um, I'm sorry, we don't have, we, I think I, there's one male in my family. We had a lot of uncles in the past, but like in a direct line, it's like, there's only one male in my family that's over 60, right? Um, all the rest have passed away. Um, and so you like, yeah, when you start, <laughs> yeah, seeing the ways that black men are non-existent and black women are having to grief and then still survive, in the same ways that my mother had to do this when I was, you know, 14 and my siblings were older, right? Um, she had to deal with loss and grief, but then had to somehow like create a world right. for her kids to still be able to like, you know, um, like propel off of. Um, um, and it's like, that is just a lot. And a lot of black women in this world, not just in the US, but in this world are like carrying this weight. And I'm sorry, I've just got to say it because, uh, you know, uh, not only for my mother, but also for the cabillion Black women that are in my life, that are dealing with loss and grief and that are building me up. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I, um, yeah, that, and that's something that for us, even this year, um, we talked about last year, we've been talking about it for the last year, um, that, um, yeah, Black women are not highlighted enough in the world. And so I know one of the things, and I'm forgetting ahead, we're not really doing this the way we said we were, but it's fine. This is way That's better. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things we're trying to do is actually bring in um, way more Black women into this, into this, um, into this season. Um, and to some extent, it's like this season is like forefronted. Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, Any, anybody in particular uh, you want uh, to highlight there? <laughs> Uh, so someone that we've been talking with, uh, and we're super excited. Uh, it's like 99.9% .9 happening. Um, but, uh, Maisha Cherry, hopefully we're going to have her on next episode, um, to talk about 
her new text, um, The Case for Rage, which we're super excited about. Both of us have started reading it. Matt's way further along than me. Um, <laughs> but uh, we both started working on this. We have a couple other people we would love to have. Um, and we haven't confirmed with some of these people. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but two people for me, um, and then I know that uh, Matt's going to talk about a few people too, but two people for me, um, um, Catherine Sophia Bell um, and uh, Joy James. Um, so hopefully we'll have both of them on to talk about very different things. Um, um, like Joy James, more talking about what it means to be a revolutionary, what it, what does uh, prison and prison ab ab abolition look like, right? Um, um, what What is the captive maternal? How do we untangle that? And then with uh, Catherine Sophia Bell, what is it like to, like, how do we actually live our true selves when we're in this space of academia? Is it possible? Um, and what does it mean to, like, step into being the fullest version of yourself. Um, and I think that um, Catherine um, does that in a way that, um, that I've very rarely seen in people. Um, and I, uh, I appreciate Catherine in ways that uh, she probably doesn't know either, uh, but it's because she's just a solid, genuine um, human. Um, and so you just can't, yeah, like, there's no better person to speak in your life. Right, no better person. Um, uh, and I am now going to cut you because um, I'm going to talk again for way too long. Not and, I'm sorry. Uh, and it's not even going to be about this, but I'm going back to this do you love yourself thing? And it got me right away because I think I respect myself. I think I'm proud of myself, but I don't know if I love myself. Right? Um, yeah. Oh, it was it was an unbelievably important question for me because uh, I'm I'm with you. I there are there are some close close things that I can say uh, that I have those feelings for myself. But do I love myself? Is yeah. And yeah. this may sound very this may sound very bad. Yeesh. Um, right. Uh, I think some days. I do exactly what some of these, what other people do to me. Um, like love the idea of a me, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that oftentimes I move in the world in such a way where people love the idea of me, but not me, right? And I think that's similar even for myself. And that's why I respect myself. I'm proud of myself, but do I love me? Like, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that question up. So now I'm going to ask you, who are you excited about seeing next season? I know you're excited about, about Dr. Cherry. Oh, yes. Everybody you mentioned, uh, but also I definitely want to highlight, uh, Dr. Claudia Ford. Uh, so, so Claudia, uh, uh, Claudia is a uh, chair of environmental studies at, uh, SUNY Potsdam and Claudia, uh, Whew. So, so, so whether, whether or not I've mentioned her name on uh, the podcast before, she has, she has been in our space a lot. <laughs> uh, 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 any, any, any of the ways I'm thinking about things uh, that they, that they go in any, any, 
any helpful or reasonable or, or humane direction, it's uh, uh, oftentimes got a connection to some inspiration, some motivation, some conversation I've had with Claudia. Uh, so, so I just, I, I, I gotta say, I, I, I'm personally very excited about having Claudia on. Um, but some of, some of the things uh, we're gonna talk about with her um, are, are connected to some of the things that have come up in our space already. Uh, so we're definitely definitely gonna talk about um, uh, the, the concept of, of revolution and transformation and, and, and real systemic change and what that takes. And, and one, of the, one of the things that, that uh, Claudia has really, has really brought to the forefront of my mind on this front uh, is the ways in which um, People, people in the West uh, tend to think of revolution uh, exclusively in destructive terms. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that Claudia has really, really uh, got some awesome and interesting thoughts on are in relation to the generative uh, uh, nature of, of revolution. Uh, but also, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, right? No, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but also, um, uh, you know, we've we've been talking about wanting to wanting to highlight and lift up uh, uh, black women, and we've been talking about uh, loss and grief uh, that black women uh, uh, are are often left with in this white supremacist world we live in. Uh, but also uh, the resilience and the knowledge and the understanding and the ways of being and living that come out of that. And this is this is one of the things I'm most stoked about talking to Claudia with is this notion of a grandmother epistemology that she's been working on. Uh, and, and this idea that uh, there are ways of being and knowing uh, connected to uh, the identity of grandmother and in particular the identity of black grandmother uh, that we really want to center, we really want to uplift, we really want to learn from, uh, and this is this is some of the 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 coolest shit I've been seeing anybody work on in quite some time. Uh, so yeah, I'm really really stoked to have her on to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I am so intrigued by this. You know, my my grandma. We so everyone calls her mom. And yeah, yeah. it does you could be like she's probably she's definitely she's got she's that great for sure. She probably had great, great, who knows? Um, but everyone still just calls her mom. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh she yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna tell like she's only giving me one piece of advice that I'm not gonna talk about on this um on this podcast. But in my entire life, she shot, sat me down one time. Um and it was Matt, I'll tell you after. Um, okay. <laughs> some uh, good, good advice. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good advice to hear as a seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old um, boy. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely was, definitely was. Yo, so what that means is that y'all have to come back. You know, um, like what, what what we're really saying is that we've 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 like taken this hiatus. Um, and we've taken it partly because of the things that have been going on in our life. Um, but we see how much joy this brings to us. Um, and hopefully it brings something to you, whatever it might be. Um, it is what it is. 
but uh, um, but we're excited for this season. We're excited for the new lineup, um, and we can't like we literally can't wait to see what happens from this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited. We are excited. Thank you, thank you, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Peace, peace.